Hello, and welcome to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people who are looking to fully engage in the world, share their gifts with others, and still maintain their health, their wellness, and their sanity. Uh, I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show. And in today's podcast, what I want to talk a bit about is, uh, well, I want to talk a bit about asking for help. It's interesting, this whole week has been really tough on me. And I'm looking around, and a lot of the people that I am close to are also saying, yeah, this has been a tough couple of weeks. So I don't know if it's just in the air, it's in the stars, or if it just so happens to be the case that in my little bubble, there's a lot of folks who are struggling. And this concept of support just keeps coming up. The idea that lending a hand to others really does seem to provide tremendous benefit. And it's coming up for me, not so much because I'm reaching out to others and saying, hey, I need your help, and I'm noticing, oh, gee, this is great. It's more that I'm seeing, or rather, I should say, it's not just that. That's happening, too. It's more that I'm seeing it everywhere. And so since I am seeing it everywhere, uh, it seemed like a great topic to discuss for today. So this is a podcast about health and wellness. So why would a topic about health and wellness dive into the realm of support? Isn't that uh, woo-woo psychology stuff? No, I don't think so, and I'll get into why. But first, let me just say that part of the reason that I wanted to bring this up in particular for highly sensitive folks is that it seems to me highly sensitive people, or at the very least, highly sensitive introverts, struggle to ask for help. And I'm not quite sure what that's about. I know for myself, I have my own baggage. So my baggage is around the idea that I don't want to burden anyone. Uh, I want to tread lightly. I want to, I don't want to take up too much space. I don't want to make people invest too much in me because I'm, I'm afraid that I'll overtax them and then I'll lose them. That's my stuff though. And so I'm not quite sure if that's something, maybe that's a common thread with all highly sensitive people, but I do think there's a common thread of self-reliance. There's this desire or perhaps this habit around being self-reliant because highly sensitive people tend to be very acutely aware of their own inner realm and it's easy to fall into that space and just sort of mull around in it, roll in it, be at ease in it, take care of it. And so when when I'm in pain, it's really easy for me to withdraw. And it's not because I'm withdrawing to say, no, I don't trust you. It's more I'm withdrawing because that's so easy. It's my habit. I mean, I'm good at taking care of myself. But here's the problem with that. I mean, again, a lot of times that's actually a good thing. There's a lot of benefit to be had in feeling at home by one's self. You know, if, if you get along with you, you're in good shape. But here are some of the downsides to operating that way. First, when we don't ask for help, it can be a really lonely experience to... I don't even know if it's just about not asking for help. I think it's also about insisting on self-reliance. So maybe it's just that extreme sort of 
not only will I not ask for help, but I won't even talk to you about what's happening with me. So it's, it can be isolating even as it's soothing. So it's almost like there's this sweet spot where if you are retreating inward and it feels right and it feels supportive, well then great. But there's a line that can get crossed where isolation now is becoming sort of a kind of self-punishment or, again, a habit that started out as something supportive and healthy and morphed into something too extreme. So when we get isolated, that's not healthy for anyone. There's all kinds of research out there that talks about the power of community, of connection. Just one example for uh, is the Rosetta community. I wish I could remember exactly what year this took place, but it was during the time when there was a lot of uh, hype around heart disease. The whole of the United States was falling victim to it, and so naturally researchers went out to try and figure out what's going on. And they stumbled across a community that seemed to have virtually no heart disease, or to the extent they had heart disease, it was minimal. And so they went in, and naturally you can imagine, like, they go in and they think, oh, well, what are you eating? <laughs> How much are you sleeping? Are you meditating? Uh, what, what's, what is your life like? And what's funny about this is it was actually sandwiched between two other communities that were similar in that they all had very similar work that they were involved in. So I think I think it was coal mining. I'm not positive about that, but not the healthiest of em- employment <laughs> opportunities. Uh, there wasn't really a, you know, they all seemed to eat the same things. And by all, I mean all three communities were eating more or less the same stuff. So it's not like Rosetta was special. Uh, they were not exercising in any particular way. They, they weren't meditating. So and one thing that they were able to find is that this small community was very tight-knit. There was virtually no homelessness. Not because they were selfless and, you know, special in that regard, but because everybody knew everyone. So if Billy Bob was on the sidewalk, drunk and asleep, somebody knew, oh my god, Billy, <laughs> get it together. Here, you're coming home with me. And they all went to the same church. Many of them had multi-generations living within the same home. Like, it, it was just, a again, a tight-knit community. And so what researchers gleaned from that was that the, you know, the notion that, oh, my heart is broken or, oh, this helps my heart. We use that as metaphor, but it turns out it's perhaps a more powerful metaphor than we ever imagined. It really does seem to be true that bonding with others heals the heart. Uh, So, yeah, there's a lot of research to show why it's important not to get isolated. And for that reason, when we highly sensitive folks retreat habitually, there are some shadow sides to that. Number two, when we don't ask for help, uh, we're more likely to get overwhelmed. So we haven't gotten, we haven't delegated any of the tasks to anyone. And so that overwhelm space that we can sometimes get ourselves trapped into, it it becomes more likely. Now, I don't know about what you experience when you go on overwhelm, but for me, my experience of overwhelm is uh, an emergency shutdown. So when I have too much coming at me all at once, uh, in this case, it was, you know, the the job was a thing. I, I lost my job and that was fine. But then it was, you know, relationship challenges, and then it was uh, you know, an ill family member, and then it's also uh, a sibling that's in trouble. It was just a lot. It was a lot of content to be to receive in a very short period of time, and all of it was challenging. And so this moment erupted for me where 
everything just shut down. And it's almost like my vision tunnels and I can only see a speck on the wall in front of me. And it kind of feels like there's a Control-Alt-Delete function that just got pressed. And just as the computer, when it restarts and reboots, you can see this sort of slow rebooting occur. There's a tiny little icon that pops up first. You can see things starting to you know, come up one at a time. And in the same way, when I have that sort of emergency shutdown, it's probably somewhere between 10 seconds to 2 minutes that this will last. It's like, okay, I can only see the speck on the wall. And then it's I gradually expand that out, and I see that there is a wall. And then that expands out, and I, I realize, okay, I'm in a room. And then that expands out, and I realize, oh, yes, I'm in a room, and I'm tense, and I'm sitting in a really uncomfortable position. And it my awareness gradually comes back online again. Now, all of that is fine. I don't necessarily panic when that occurs for me now because I understand what's happening. I can sort of be in my own head going, okay, this is just a thing. This is This was too much. So I'm going to have to really slow this down and only focus on one thing at a time. But you know what? I, I got to get to work. I've got shit to do. I've got things that need to happen. And I'm the instigator of said things. I don't have the time to be sitting here staring off into space. Not to mention the fact that when I do it in front of people who love me, it kind of freaks them out. So if I don't ask for help at some point along the way, as that buildup is happening, the likelihood of my, my body getting to that emergency shutdown point increases exponentially. So that highly sensitive little nervous system of mine gets overloaded. Well, that seems to be true for a lot of highly sensitive people. So there's something to be said for delegating, for asking for help, for reaching out. And then finally, when we don't ask for help and we do get overwhelmed, often to compensate for that, many of us rely on unhealthy practices. For example, a lot of those who, with whom I work uh, will rely on food. Or it, it's possible that it could be alcohol, it could even be drugs. I mean, it, it's... It's almost like, okay, the overwhelm thing happened, and now how do I get the hell out of here? And so for some, it's like this, this emotional eating experience where it really does seem to ground the body. It's, it's a, a perfect example of something that it starts out out there, and, and it, it feels heavy. I can feel food in my mouth. I can feel it going down my throat. I can feel it in my belly. And that's something that's outside of my head and... Obviously, if you're overeating, then that can lead to weight gain. It can lead to just discomfort. Forget about the weight gain. I mean, that's sort of a whatever. But if the weight gain also led to pain in the joints or pain in, at all or pain in the stomach because I just overate and it feels uncomfortable, it can lead to these things that perhaps we don't want. And we continue to do them because it's not exactly an unhealthy practice in the sense that it's bad. It's not like, oh, bad person for overeating. You're a lazy, slothful person. It's more of a, this isn't a supportive thing. This is, eating is a nourishing act. And right now, in this moment, it's not something you've reached for out of nourishment. It's something you've reached for out of compensation. You're trying to overcompensate for something that you really should not have gotten to in the first place. So it can be dangerous in that respect. And... That actually moves me into the realm of, all right, so let's say you, you know, like if you want to reach for support, if you want to have people around you that you can rely on, that sort of necessitates that the people who are around you are supportive of you in the ways that you want them to support you. So 
there was actually a TED Talk by Nicholas Christakis. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, the presentation was on the power of social networks, you know, the, how they influence us. And he actually was specifically talking quite a bit about obesity. And the reason why he chose that particular item is because it seems to be a hot ticket item for many of us and certainly for health coaches such as myself. But he wasn't actually coming at it to say, oh, well, if you're a certain size, that makes you bad. Uh, He was very careful to say that, in fact. But rather, it was more coming at it with curiosity and interest. You know, isn't it interesting that when one of our friends gains weight, we are 50 to, to 60% more likely to gain weight as well? And that's true even if it's only, if it's just once removed or even twice removed. Apparently three times removed and it's virtually no difference. But the point here is what people around us do influences us. And he, according to Christakis, this is done in three ways. One, it can be sort of a you know, birds of a feather flock together. So obviously if I'm gaining weight, I'm going to sort of select for those who are of the same size because I'm sort of assuming we'll have the same set of experiences. And now we can move outside of just the scope of weight. It can be, you know, I'm going to befriend those who are other also introverted people because we can relate to one another. Or it can be, oh, I'm going to befriend those who like heavy metal music because we can relate in that way and bond over it. You know, whatever. So that's one piece. Another piece is behavioral, sort of if I go to the gym, I'm more likely, and I find friends there, and we bond over that activity, we're both probably going to be thin or thinner because we're meeting in a space and doing an act together that is inherently correlated with weight loss or weight management. Um, and so again, you can apply the same notions and ideas around, you know, uh, people who are in science labs will stick to people with who are also in science labs and they'll continue to expand their knowledge base because, you know, you get the idea. So basically what this gentleman was saying is they the level of influence of those around us is far more uh, subtle and more powerful than we ever could had realized. It's not just about birds of a feather flocking together or just about behaviors. It's also about an idea that it changes our ideas of what normality is. And that kind of brings me to this concept of, you know, many uh, motivational speakers, they use this. They say, we are the average of the top five people we spend the bulk of our time with. So if that's true, I mean, just kind of sit and reflect on that for a minute. Who are the top five people you are most exposed to? Are those people the kinds of people you want to emulate and you believe will help support you and will help you to grow? If the answer is no, well, that puts you in kind of a pickle. Because if you're a highly sensitive person and you're starting to feel overwhelmed and you want to reach out for help, but you sort of know that those around you aren't likely to provide the kind of help and support that you need, well, you can see where this could go. And the thing is, highly sensitive people tend to be empathetic because they're so attuned to subtlety. So we're not exactly a particularly perceptive bunch. I mean, we won't notice every detail in the room, but we notice subtleties. 
we key into expressions, little nuances that perhaps others aren't as fascinated by as maybe we are. And so given that highly sensitive people are keyed in to, to pain, to suffering, just as they're keyed into joy and exuberance, it's interestingly enough, highly sensitive people are drawn to those who might be in pain and who would want our help. And that can be fine. We make pretty good healers in that regard. We might also be drawn to those who might not be a healthy fit for us. Um, I'm thinking narcissists. I, I was really surprised, actually, that there were so many articles about how highly sensitive people tend to attract narcissists into their lives. And you, I guess I kind of get it. A narcissist is someone who constantly needs to have a reflection back to them that they're okay, that they're good, that they're awesome. And a highly sensitive person is probably the type who would happily be willing to say, God, you're awesome, you're amazing, you're this, you're that, and because they can sense the need for that, and it's this really unhealthy cycle. So anyway, who are the top five people you spend your time with? Are they likely to give you support? If they are not, this is something you got to look at, not just for the sake of your emotional sanity or your sense of uh, security even, but also your physical health. I mean, this is down to physical now. Like the body, the human body needs, craves, cannot live without help and support. Okay, so how do you go about getting support? I mean, it's one thing to say, oh yeah, you know, just ask somebody for help, like no big deal. It's really hard to do that. At least it is for me. So what does that look like? Well, first... Before you ask anyone for assistance on anything, you want to be really clear about what support looks like for you. Are you the kind of person who needs a being who's going to come in and slap you around and just be like, what the hell are you doing? Knock it off. Get off your butt and get moving. This is ridiculous. Do you need that tough love? Or are you the type who needs it a little softer? Hey, I know it's hard. It's all right, darling. Here, come here. Give, I'll give you a hug. You know, I, hey, this is rough, man. I got you. I got this. It's no biggie. You know, I, we'll work on this together. Do you want someone who's maybe detached and compassionate uh, and, not, and just non-judgmental? Like, hey, I'm just curious. What's happening for you? What's going on? Tell me more. You know, what? What? what is, what can I do for you? Anything? Uh, what's going on for you? Anything? Like... <laughs> You know, what does support look like for you? Soft, firm, non-judgmental, honest, frank. Because if you're not clear about that, I know that this is a problem for me sometimes. I'm not always clear about what it is I want, and so naturally then I don't get what I want. Not because people aren't willing to give it to me, but because I didn't ask for it, or I wasn't clear about it. So you want to be really clear for yourself what support would look like for you. What is the nicest thing that you're bestest of friends could possibly do for you what would what would help you right now what do you need and then now second you want to communicate that and be really clear about it when you ask for that support you want to ask it's one thing to say hey I really need your help but if you just say hey buddy I need your help they're going to help you the way they like being helped that's just how we are it's not because they don't care about what you want it's that they only know what, what soothes them so in my case, for example, I, I'm really uh, disarmed by curiosity. When someone is open and curious 
and willing to sit with where I am and not necessarily in need of me to, to go faster or, or slow down or be anything other than what I am, that's really disarming for me. And it feels great to just have someone say, hey, I'm here. I'm here. What can I do for you? What, what's going on? Just, just talk to me. And I don't always have the right answers, and it's not always a fruitful conversation, especially if I'm overwhelmed. But it, it's that, that's what support looks like for me. But I'm not going to get that if I don't actually say it out loud. Instead, I'm going to get from my let's fix it guy, well, here's how you fix it. And I'm going to get from my soft, cushy friend, here, give me a hug. And I'm going to get, I mean, you see where this is going, right? I'm, I'm going to get the kind of help that my friends think would help me and not the kind of help that I might need. And then third, you got to be letting, you got to be willing to let people know when support for you is leaving you be. This is the tricky one because sometimes people go to the other extreme. They come to you and they say, okay, let's, this is freaking me out. Like, how do we fix this? I want to be here for you. I want to be here for you. And sometimes, especially for highly sensitive people and in particular, highly sensitive introverts such as myself, it's almost like, hey, I, I love that you're reaching out and that feels so good. But you know, I'm actually just going to need, I'm going to need a little bit of time to myself. That's what I need right now. And if you don't mind, I'm going to give you a call when I've had a minute to breathe. Are you willing to do that for me? Most people would say yes. It's not actually that hard for, I mean, most people love to say yes to things that are going to give you help, like are going to help you, but you got to ask for it. So if, as a perfect example, I was facilitating a group last, you know, yesterday evening and someone mentioned this where it was like a friend came over and they were trying to be supportive to this weight loss journey that she's on. And, you know, kept asking about, oh, well, what's this that you're doing? And what's that? And oh, let me tell me more about this. And why do you do that? And, and she said, you know, God, I, I know it was coming from a good place, but I just kind of wanted my space. <laughs> like, it's like I want him to support me, but I also want him to go away. So, you know, as, as she's relaying that in the group, the group then responds, well, tell them that, you know, that's, they're not going to know unless you tell them, which I thought was a, yeah, perfectly, ad, you know, yeah, absolutely. That's just correct. <laughs> And, um, you know, sometimes when we're in pain, it's okay to ask for the people for a little bit of time from the people we love. Support doesn't have to mean delegating in the sense of come here and be with me. Sometimes it can mean, hey, would you mind doing the dishes? I'm just going to get out of here for a few minutes. You know, maybe asking for a task so that you can have some space. So just be clear about that. And finally, and I don't know if I'd say most importantly, but certainly very importantly, you want to express gratitude whenever you can, whenever you think to, whenever possible. It feels good when people, for me, when I do something kind and someone expresses gratitude, there's not really any better drug than that. Also, though, if someone has done something kind for me, expressing that gratitude feels so damn good. It's just like, my God, there is no good reason for you to be doing this, at least not in the rational sense. You've got so much else that you need to be worried about, and you're here worried about me. That means the world to me. You're just willing to sit here and be with me. Thank you. Do you have any idea how valuable this is to me? 
And this is actually doing two things. This isn't just woo-woo love stuff. On one hand, you're making your friend feel good. So you've just brightened your friend's day with that gratitude. As we all know, it feels good when someone says thank you. But on the other hand, you're also helping to rewire your own brain for improved happiness. That's how this works. Anytime you are looking for things to be grateful for, it helps re-gear things so that instead of looking for what's going wrong, which we're naturally good at, and there's a lot of good reasons for it. I mean, you know, think a thousand years ago when we're sort of scrounging for food. (laughs) I mean, if a tiger came out to try and snag us, you know, the mate we missed as we were running away from the tiger, you know, meh, okay. But man, we want to remember where that tiger lives. So it makes sense that our brain might otherwise sort of be geared to look for what's wrong. But don't do that. (laughs) In our modern society, that's actually causing us a lot of pain. So in this modern society, the best thing that you can do, express gratitude. Express gratitude internally and express it to others that you care about. So yeah, just to wrap everything up here. It really boils down to, you know, when it comes to reaching out for support. One, just know there are times when, yes, it feels good to sort of be in your own little space, but sometimes we are better served reaching out for other people. But two, when you do that, be really clear about what your needs are. Don't just say, hey, I need help, because others are going to help you the way they think that you want it. You need to be clear about what your needs are. And then three, once you've had those needs met, express some gratitude to them and just internally for yourself. Be grateful for your courage and saying, hey, I need some help and be grateful for their willingness to meet you there because gratitude helps everyone. So that concludes today's podcast. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And at the very least, a much better week than the the hardship that has been this week for me. My God, it's been crazy. Um, May March Madness for you mean nothing more than a good basketball game. (laughs) Take good care. See you next week. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah.